What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Hey, welcome back to Road to the Midterms. If you're watching this on the TV right now, uh, this is our Politics by Faith segment. We end every episode with, with this politics by faith. If you're listening to this on the podcast, then this is the final segment of the TV show, Road to the Midterm. Either way, I'm grateful you're here. Uh, beside the economy, which is the biggest issue that people are thinking about for the midterms, right? I'd say the second biggest is crime. And progressives and conservatives have a completely different worldview when it comes to this issue. So the Christian and conservative belief is that people are born not good. People are born with a sinful nature and the human heart is depraved. Therefore, when people do bad things, and they will, they need to be punished. They did it, right? Progressives have a totally different worldview. They believe people are born good. And therefore, if someone does a bad thing, if they break the law, commit a crime, it's not their fault because they're good people. No one would ever do a bad thing if it was up to them. So it was something in the system that caused them to, the system's broken. It's poverty. That's the issue, right? Or, or it's the, the, the prison industrial combat. That's the pride, it's the system that's broken. So we can't punish them for their crime. They're not the reason that this happened. See the difference? Completely different worldview. And I would, well, the most popular, most prevalent worldview is the one I, that, that one, that people are born good. Most people believe that people are born good, and that's just not true. So this is more than just an election issue. This is a major cultural ethical issue. We're just on different planets. So the person you're voting for, what is their belief about the human heart? How about that question that never gets asked? Our ruling class today believes that people are born good, no question. This is why they don't punish crime, and it's why we have so much crime. I gotta pick up on what we were talking about yesterday. So Tucker Carlson was, was talking about the ruling class. This is in some podcast he was on. And he was talking about why the ruling class is so unimpressive. What's up with these guys? Why, why are they so pathetic? Like, these are not people we look up to. These are not people you would show your children as like, oh, you need to be more like Jerry Nadler. Like, humans are hierarchical. We're going to have a ruling class. So the question is, are they an impressive ruling class? 
Are they intelligent? Do they have self-restraint? Do they have wisdom? That's what we talked about yesterday. We have a really bad ruling class. So the question is why, why? Why are they so bad? And I don't mean in what ways are they bad? We know the ways, right? That's not my, I mean like why, like how did this happen? <laughs> like why, why is this who we're left with? And Tucker Carlson was frustrated. He said, why is no one interested in this question? I'm very interested in this question. That's what he said. And I am too, because I don't want this to happen anymore. I'm, <laughs> I'm sick of it. So I got two answers that I would posit to you. We, uh, first, who we elect is a reflection of who we are and what we value. I think we gotta start with that premise. And we are a culture that no longer values wisdom, and we are a culture that loves comfort. Yesterday, we focused on lack of wisdom. Today, I wanna focus on our love of comfort. Let's back it up. One of the great American values used to be overcoming adversity. We love these stories. We used to tell stories of revolutionary war soldiers in Valley Forge, barefoot, freezing to death. It was six degrees. Some soldiers had no shoes, but they never gave up. We love the story of Harriet Tubman. And after she reached the North for safety, she went back. What? You did, you did what? You went back 19 times to rescue people? What? I was just telling my kids last night, we were telling the story of Unipero Serra. I live in, California, in uh, San Diego, so Unipero Serra is a more well-known name. Here, he was a Spanish Catholic priest. He walked 4,000 miles from Mexico City up the coast of California planting these missions. His first journey to San Diego, his leg became so infected, he could barely walk. Right? He's on a thousand mile march and he could barely walk. And his men told him to turn back. We'll come get you next time. Go back, get, get, get healthy. And he said, no, God has given me the strength to come this, this far. And even though I should die on the way, I shall not turn back. And he told the men, the man who was there who had to take care of the mules, told him to give me whatever medicine you give the mules. And he did. And he healed and he never turned back. We love stories like that. How can you not? You feel it. I'm just, I just gave you like two sentence versions of these stories and you're like, yes, I love it. Overcoming adversity is a value, used to be a value in our culture. We used to value the fight, the underdog, picking yourself up from nothing, beating the odds. It's, it's defined us as a country from the pilgrims surviving the trip across the ocean itself, getting here in the brutal winter to the Revolutionary War, to, to the settlers in the unknown West, Lewis and Clark, their expedition across the country and no one died? What? How's that possible? Americans civilizing the frontier. Talk about adversity, are you kidding me? Where'd they get water? <laughs> like that, that blows my mind. How'd you find water to drink? And we would tell these stories of the past and we would see ourselves in them. They were a part of our ethos. They were just in the air that we breathed, these stories of adversity. And then we would look at the adversity that they overcame, and then we'd look at the adversity in our lives, and we would be inspired to overcome it, just like our ancestors did. That's how that works. But now, because we don't know these stories anymore, because they're not told all the time, because they're not impressed on the hearts of our kids at school, 
and on, on television and everywhere, overcoming adversity is no longer a part of our culture. It's, not, it's just not a part of the everyday thing that we breathe. So we see adversity in our lives and we don't know what to do. Because I, I don't know any story of anyone ever overcoming it. I've never, I've never, I've never heard anyone overcoming adversity. I, I just can't do it. So we just whine and complain. And then we call it an injustice and systematic oppression. And oh, why is everyone so mean and everything's so hard? That's what it is. We don't have the examples anymore. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So how'd we get here? (laughs) I'll tell you. We got rid of God. And we threw a lot out with him. See, people thought, progressives thought, atheists thought, we could just throw out God and still keep keep a Judeo-Christian ethic. You can't. You throw out God, you lose everything with it. And one aspect of the Judeo-Christian ethic was James 1, right? Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The Bible embraces trials of many kinds. The Bible acknowledges that trials exist and you can't eliminate them, but you can use them to rely more on God. And when you do that, you will be made stronger. That's what God told Paul, my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul concluded, whenever I am weak, then I am strong. So the Christian ethic says that trials are good. Consider them a joy. That's how good they are. Because they'll make you rely more on God. And that's true strength. That's the Christian ethic. Okay? And it's weird because if that's like new to you, like that's my point. That, like that's, that, that used to be known and accepted and, and understood by everybody. That's just natural. Like yesterday I mentioned the, uh, the Webster original dictionary, 19, uh, 1828. Every de- almost every definition of word has some Bible reference or Bible quote or a Bible story with it. Because it's just like, it's just part of what we breathed. Right? Not anymore. So that was the Christian ethic we used to have. Embrace trials and suffering. It'll make you closer to God. But the intellectuals of our day, they don't believe in God. So what they do, they made themselves God. 
Okay? Instead of asking God to be with them during trials, the intellectual's goal is to eliminate trials entirely. Are you with me? The Christian ethic understands the trials that happen. We're going to embrace them. We're going to use them to get closer to God. The intellectuals don't believe in God. They're God. And as God, I'm going to eliminate trials completely. And to prove how much I don't need this made-up spaghetti monster in the sky, I'm going to eliminate all suffering on earth. Vote for me, and I will eliminate your suffering too. The goal of the intellectual is to eliminate suffering. The goal of the intellectual is to create their own heaven on earth, their own utopia, to prove that God doesn't exist. And they want to do that, they want to eliminate stress and challenge and striving and competition. And they'll give you whatever your heart desires and they'll call it a right. We see it everywhere. We see it culturally. Something as simple as self-esteem. Do you know where the self-esteem movement came from? This is one of my favorite stories. We don't have time to share the whole thing, but I'd love to do an hour on this one day. The self-esteem movement, do you know where that started? That didn't start from the ground up. Certainly didn't come from the Bible. The self-esteem movement was started in the 80s by a California state assemblyman. Of course it came from the government. John Vasconellos, okay? This guy thought that if kids just felt better about themselves, then there would be less crime and they wouldn't use drugs and there wouldn't be as much teenage pregnancy, right? So all we need to do to solve these big problems, all we need to do to eliminate suffering is to tell kids how wonderful they are and make them feel good. Then there won't be any more suffering and we'll make heaven on earth. It was called the State Task Force. That was an article from 1986. It's called the State Task Force to Promote Self-Esteem and Personal and Social Responsibility. Isn't that amazing? It was a government task force. This was the beginning of Everyone Gets a Trophy. The beginning of Everyone Gets a Trophy was a California government task force by some dumb politician. Isn't that amazing? Of course it was. And of course he had it backwards, like these politicians always do. You don't just give self-esteem, you have to do things to earn your self-esteem. You have to overcome adversity to earn self-esteem. You just can't hand it out, you gotta earn it. And if kids don't understand that, then they don't do the things to earn it, and then they become weak, right? Weak people don't overcome adversity, weak people whine. And weak people vote for people who promise to make them comfortable. There is this love of comfort. We have to eliminate all suffering. You saw it with COVID, right? What, what was the, the Democrat strategy with COVID? Remember? Zero COVID. They're going to eliminate, eradicate the virus. Zero COVID. And everything they did, even if it just saves one life, we got to save every life. Your Democratic governors say, oh, we're going to do this thing because it's going to save one life. What an absurd trade-off. But that was their obsession with comfort, right? Caused them to go blind to reality. So back to Tucker's question, why do we have such a terrible ruling class? Well, we've eliminated God and the Christian ethic that used to value overcoming adversity. Consider it pure joy. Now, it's not a joy when there's adversity. It's terrible. It's awful. And, and, I, and I don't like it. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote for the person who promises to, to make it all go away. I'm going to vote for the person who, who wants to eliminate suffering. It's bad. I'm going to vote for the guy who promises to bring heaven on earth. And I'm not going to let reality stop him. We used to value overcoming adversity. Now we value those who can whine the loudest and complain the most. 
So of course we're going to vote for unimpressive people. I got to go. Let me paint that picture one more time because I want this to be as clear as day. Christian ethic, based in reality, there is suffering. There will always be suffering. Good. Consider it a joy. It brings you closer to God. No politician will save you. The modern progressive ethic, there is no God. Suffering, therefore, is the worst thing imaginable. And I have no ability or desire, certainly, to overcome adversity on my own. So I'm going to vote for the person who promises to make my life comfortable in every way. The man who promises heaven on earth now. Because there is no eternity. This is it. And if I experience the slightest touch of suffering to get what I want to make it go away, I'm going to complain the loudest. That's it. Hope that's helpful, Tucker. Those are my thoughts. So, simple solution for you. Make sure in your home you embrace adversity. Tell your kids the adversity you are experiencing right now and how you, what you are doing to overcome it. Bring them into this process. They need to see it. Don't run from adversity. adversity. Embrace it. Consider it a joy and actively find the stories and tell the stories of people overcoming adversity and never look to politicians to bring heaven on earth. Please subscribe to our podcast, Politics by Faith with Mike Slater. It's everywhere you listen to podcasts. Give us a subscription and a uh, five-star review. We gotta get to a thousand five-star reviews to hit the big time. So if, you liked, if you're liking what we do here, please uh, subscribe and leave that five-star review. And we'll see you tomorrow on Road to Midterms. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.